Welcome to the Biotalent podcast series. Our socials are for anyone interested in topics around life sciences. Wide-ranging discussions are led by a panel of market-leading experts offering sharp, focused insights on issues of the current day. This is episode 16. Today's discussion explores women's equality in engineering, and I am your host, Chaz Don. I place CapEx professionals into the life sciences sector, and today I am joined with the wonderful Lorraine Liu. Lorraine is the global competency leader of project controls management, and at the same time, a manager of 13 project controls professionals globally at DSM. After obtaining a degree of biotech engineering and a second degree of international economics law, she clearly knows engineering would always be the career direction for her. She's a multilingual speaker, able to communicate in four different languages. This includes Chinese, Japanese, English, and also German, which combines with her engineering education background, brings her to continue her expert journey in the field of project management and engineering. She works as a project controls manager in multiple countries, China, USA, Canada, Germany, and Singapore, and also on multiple mega investment CapEx projects valued for up to higher than 5.2 billion euros. Lorraine, thank you for, for coming online. We just wanted to go into the topic today, which is women in engineering. And mm-hmm. so to begin with, it'll be nice to get an introduction from yourself. What's your job title? Where do you work? And what areas do you specialize in when it comes to engineering? Okay. Um, so my job title is a global competence lead in charge of project control management. And the location of my I'm working is I'm currently located in Netherlands as a basis. Um, but this position requires globally footprint, so I travel a lot. And I specialize um, in biotech engineering, that's as my major, um, but refer to the job. I'm doing the project control management, which referred to the cost estimating, scheduling, risk management, cost management, and document management. Great. Okay, sounds good. So what inspired you to undertake a career within engineering, Lorraine? <laughs> I think this is because of a family reason. Uh, I was born in a family where the majority of my family members are engineers or professors. Um, so if you look at, if I'm thinking back when I was young, I playing tours like remote control car, uh, mechanical toolboxes, books with questions and answers focus on how the things are working. I never had one single baby door before. And I'm right. not, and I'm not also interested in to play with Babido. <laughs> that doesn't make sense for me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it, it all seems to stem from um, early childhood interests. Then um, it sounds like. Yes. Amazing. Okay. So when it comes to engineering within the workforce, from what you've seen in your in your career so far, mm-hmm. how do you think organisations can improve the representation of women within the workforce? Um, there are a lot of ways. So, for example, during the recruiting, you can increase the target number to recruiting the female. This is uh, what actually my current employer is doing as well. So, we set a target in a couple of years at each level of the job category. The female percentage has to reach certain numbers. Okay. Um, this is a one way, but, but I personally don't think it is needed 
because um, there are certain departments has way more women instead of men, for example, HR, communications, administration, etc. And the engineering department, yes, I do commit and recognize uh, less female than men, but there are a lot of reasons behind it. Okay. Uh, what, are, what are those reasons, do you think? What, what do you reckon they could be then? Uh, I think in the, in the engineering education process, normally the engineering courses and majors, it takes relatively long. And also, they're not fun. It needs basic skill set. Yeah? And you have to have a logical uh, process in your mind. You have to be very good at calculation. Um, you have to quickly follow certain structure. I think these are the things um, not very much in favor of, of, of a female. So, and it's pretty difficult, actually. So this is from education I can recognize from my education. Okay, interesting. Um, and how has the underrepresentation impacted your career so far? I was thinking that, but um, I have to be honest, it's so far not really. So for me, let's say the impact is very limited. And how can we empower female co-workers and young girls to keep pursuing fields of STEM and to feel encouraged to do so? Well, I have to say STEM is not easy compared with other subjects. Um, but the most important thing is if you have interest to learn it, just keep it, stick to it. It will happen sometimes spontaneously in your learning or life. You feel frustrating because you don't understand, but stick to it. So I think the drive here is not from outside. It's from the people, individual herself. Okay. So you feel like um, as long as that desire is there within the individual, as long yeah. as we cater for that by encouraging them to act upon those desires and to keep pursuing those uh, desires, then, then that's the best approach. Yes. I believe that's mainly drive by the individual herself. Yeah. Okay, great. So you yourself, then, how do you hire for diversity in industries that are particularly, you know, that's particularly imbalanced when it comes to gender? So let's have a look at your own team, for example. I know you've, you know, led many teams before in the past and you currently do so as well. How mm -hmm. do you hire for diversity? Mm, so first of all, I have to say diversity has a lot of um, uh, factors in it. So gender is only one part to represent diversity. Uh, yeah. We do hire, and in my team, we do hire for the diversity, but not necessarily we pay extra attention mm. on everything. So we hire the candidate because of the candidates has the capabilities, because the candidate has the skill set and fulfills the requirement, but not because of the purely, yeah, not because of purely of the diversity, for example, ages nationalities or genders so in our process the team i am hiring i mainly focus on the capabilities and skill set okay great now that sounds good so do you think your organization as a whole has the processes and initiatives in place to support underrepresented groups within technology and engineering um, yeah so as i said in in, in previously uh, so in certain departments the underrepresented groups when it refers to the gender, and in HR, in administration, in communication, it could be men represented and the underrepresented groups. <laughs> so 
I, I don't think it is yeah. needed to pay an extra attention in the process to support us. But if you do not only look at gender, but with a more broader view, the underrepresented group can also be something like, uh, let's say, take a look at disabled people. Other people uh, need more support mentally or physically. Um, and at my organization, we do have the process um, to support this. And back to what I just mentioned, the process is with the intention to reduce the unconscious bias as much as we can to make sure we provide fair opportunities and uh, fair chances to everyone, regardless of gender, nationality, or if you are disabled or not. Okay, great. And has that been effective from your point of view, um, what you've seen of the hiring trends within your company so far? We do have a process to identify whether the job could accept, let's say, set a requirement in different way to reduce, um, um, you have the precondition. For example, when you're looking for a lab technician, yeah? so someone working in the lab to do those tests and analysis every day, we were think, okay, do you really need a people uh, with a certain gender or nationality? No, you don't. And do you need um, someone who really can work every day? Or if it's people have some physical disability, uh, can you also allow that happen? Yes, we do. And in the lab, we even have the facility uh, to allow the wheelchairs uh, to drive in as well. So yeah. this type of thing during the process, we do consider. Okay. I know you touched upon this before, uh, Lorraine, yes. um, briefly. I'd, I'd just like to go over it again, just to just investigate it further. So what would you say is the main reason for less women within your sector as opposed to other sectors? Is it really down to um, the lack of interest between males and females in engineering when they're younger in the early stages of life? Or do you think there could be other stuff as well? Yeah, I, I really want to focus on the education. I think uh, engineering education is not easy and the process is really long. And you have to be, you have to be very ambitious and patient uh, on yourself uh, to finish that education. And once you finish your education, when you cross into the, the career uh, chapter, um, quite often, a lot of companies have those buyers now in their mind construction workers, and engineers at mechanical process engineers, et cetera, quite often people unconsciously have a bias. These should be male instead of female. So if you are one of the candidates, go to the interview and you show up as a female image as you are, it's, it's somehow you, ha you had a feeling it's by nature resistance <laughs> Female is not fit for engineering position. So this is what we call an unconsciousness bias. And this, it's very common in the industry. Right, I see. Okay, very interesting. Um, so what do you think can, can be changed or implemented to improve that gender balance? Um, that's if you believe there is anything that needs to be done specifically. Yeah, so first of all, as we mentioned, and in early childhood, um, you need to give the... A lot of chances because this is a in the end it is about individual's choices um, there are people they have interest on in engineering but there are also people that are interested in arts uh, other things uh. so you have to uh, as a parent you have to give your child 
a more broader view to make the child understand in the world there are so many different things and they are free to choose what they like and what they really want to be. So engineering is only part of it, but it could be other things as well. And eventually, if you choose engineering as your major, um, you have to be very patient and uh, ambitious during the education to make sure you finish everything in a good uh, way. And once you educate, uh, sorry, once your education finish, once you step into the career, you also have to try to avoid to be, let's say, accepted. Employer has those unconscious bias, so you have to point it out. If you feel there is something existing during the interview, you have to point it out, raise your voice, and just speak it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the, the the bias there, the unconscious bias. Um, besides speaking out against it once it's spotted, what else do you think um, could be the best solution to combat this gender bias towards women within uh, within the sector? Uh, I think from an organisation point of view, um, it is organisation's uh, responsibility to establish a system and a process to analysis based on the factors like education background, capabilities, skill set, relevant work experiences, rather than only looking at the faces, the genders, by quickly judging only after one chat, one interview, or, yeah. or gut feeling. Eh? A lot of people judge also based on gut feeling. So this is also something I, I don't like and not encouraged to do so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've even heard of systems where um, CVs are completely anonymized. You can't see the name or mm -hmm. any indication of uh, what gender or what disability classification they fall into. Um, do you think something like that could be a good idea or, or what kind of systems did you have in mind do you think would be effective for this? Uh, I think that would be a little bit too extreme, at least for the current stages of industry. Because in the end, um, you work together, but you work with people. So um, as a group leader, um, as a people manager, I have to feel comfortable and I have to feel, hmm, okay, I cannot say like, but not dislike of my direct reports in the recruiting process. So I do need to have certain information either uh, name or, or education or speaking or voice or whatever. I do need some information so that I can feel that connection. Yeah. yeah but if, you, if you blind out everything, I think it'll be a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, you want to be able to build reports, I suppose. So yeah, it makes sense. Um, and in your personal opinion, how important is having a gender balance within engineering? Uh, I think in the end, what we want to achieve is um, we want to have different voices, different opinions, so that we could uh, work out with a better results and to build more constructive organization culture. Everyone can contribute and can benefit from it. This is our final target now. So that's why nowadays the whole society has such, such uh, intention on diversity and inclusive as gender balance as part of the diversity and inclusive. Um, it is very important as well, based on what the reason I just mentioned. I personally feel 
maybe if we broadcast this gender balance too much, we may narrow our view. For example, I think we should always look at if someone at the same level can get fair chance and equal payment, regardless of the genders, but not too much own if there's a sufficient female proportion in the organization. So the number of female in the organization is only one factor to judge the gender balance. But I think the more important is to look at fair chances, equal payment at the same job level. I think these are way more important. Just to, to summarize the discussion we've had so far then, do you think the landscape regarding gender balance in engineering will ever change? And if so, what do you think the future would look like? Um, yeah, if, if everyone is broadcasting gender balance, eventually it will change. But, but it will take time. Um, because what I believe is you, you, you can't change from the organization level. You have to change the whole life cycle um, from the education, from the process, how you select a candidate, etc. It will take really, really long time. I would actually focus on more building um, the process to provide fair chances. Yeah? So this okay. is what I also mentioned. I don't know uh, how the future would look like <laughs> because it not happened yet. And I believe if we achieved what I said, so we avoid the unconscious bias and we have the system to select the people in a very fair way. And we also follow up the fair chances and the payment to everyone, regardless of genders. I think that would be a really good one. But I personally believe it will not happen soon. Thank you for your time, Lorraine. I know you're a busy woman, so I appreciate you coming on today um, and um, imparting your, uh, your opinion and outlook on, on, on this very hot topic at the moment. Um, so, yeah, thank you for your time, Lorraine. Thank you for inviting me and I give the chance to share my opinion. Thanks again for another truly inspirational podcast episode, considering the current climate that we're in. Biotalent Social is part of Biotalent, who are a life sciences specialist recruitment agency. We specialize in the full spectrum of life sciences recruitment from preclinical all the way to commercial. Reach out to find out more on our website, which is biotalent.com. And thank you again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.